We're going to be talking about boasting in just a minute, but I want to remind us, you know, as we've marched through James week by week, we've hit some incredibly powerful truths and very challenging truths, right? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about worldliness. And uh, wow, <laughs> you know, the, the language that James used was very, very strong. And, you know, he said, we can think we love God, but if we love the world and our passions and excitements and lures are all about the world and all about flesh and ourself, we actually would be an enemy to God. You know, we like hearing that language, but that's a truth and a reality, and I encourage you to keep wrestling through that. If you weren't here for that message, pick that up online, because we can't live in both places. Either our affections and our glory is in who God is, or we're actually those adulterous people that cheat on God and give our love to other things and things in the world. Challenging, challenging truths. Revisit those because it's all about living what we're learning. It's not just another topic for another week. You know, last week was on judging. Was that any easier, you guys? <laughs> that was challenging, wasn't it? The, the word of God says, just don't judge anyone. Just leave that to the judge. He's the only one who judges. Look at the log that's in your own eye. That should be the only thing we can see. <laughs> and not worry about a speck in someone else's eye. Don't judge them, lest you bring that measure of judgment on yourself, God tells us. So that's challenging, to stop judging others and leave that to God. And in fact, to try to just remove the logs and the timber that's in our own eyes so often. And this week is no less challenging, I guarantee you. It's about boasting. And I want to ask you a question is, as we get going. What groups of people tend to boast a lot? What groups of people tend to boast a lot? I thought of a couple. I wonder what comes to your mind. Politicians? What do you think? Little boasting about what's going to come and their policies and the changes and how the future is going to be awesome because now they're in a place of influence. Do athletes boast at all? <laughs> when you're like, yeah, of course. That's kind of like part and parcel, right? With a lot of athletes about, man, how this win's going to lead to the next win. They got their sights on the Super Bowl or on the World Series or whatever. And it's really ends up turning into trash talk after a while. They're just so confident and they just have to kind of get themselves worked up by boasting about what they are assuming is going to happen in the future because they are awesome. Their team is awesome. Doesn't everyone know? Or salesmen. You ever have a salesman boast about the, uh, the product you're about to purchase and go into debt over? That car, that thing, that whatever. And you tend to think, well, yeah, I mean, that's just part of their job description, right? Is boasting. And you know, sometimes we think of those groups or those types of people and we don't think of ourselves. Do we boast? And we're going to talk today specifically about the wrong kind of boasting and the right kind of boasting. So grab your Bibles and open up to James chapter 4, verse 13. We're just looking at four verses today found there. And the first statement that we really get from these verses is boast not... So we're going to start with the negative, kind of what we shouldn't be doing. Boast not about future plans. Rather say, Lord willing. Starting in verse 13. But come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Boasting about tomorrow. 
talking about a certain place, talking about a certain prophet, talking about a certain plan, you know, the the plans, the agendas we put together. He says is, is presumptuous confidence. In fact, we don't even know what'll happen the next second, right? You had no idea I was gonna do this right now and scare Jesse. Literally, you thought he's too old to do something so stupid as that. Isn't this guy's just recovering, right? I mean, come on. But I just wanted to prove to you, you had absolutely no idea I was going to do that. And I didn't know if I would actually land that or twist an ankle. We think we do, because it's predictable. I'll go out 30 minutes and, you know, maybe there'll be something good in there I can take home with me, whatever. And then I'm going to be off to lunch. And then after lunch, I'll take a nap or I do this, or I'm going to watch some sports, or I'm going to go do some work around the yard, and I'm going to go. Like, we literally think like that all the time. We're very rarely in the present. We're in the present with the people about our future and what we're going to go do. It's just kind of normal for us. We like things planned out. We, we have our business ventures in mind. We, we have our investments and how they're going to grow in mind. How we're going to use our money, you know, the vacations we're going to plan, our, the way our savings is going to grow so our retirement can be just what we are hoping and planning for. We plan as if we think we can control events of tomorrow or our own life or other factors or other people. We presume on long life. I don't think anyone in here thinks they're going to have a burst blood vessel in the brain and die today, right? Well, that was me, of course. And it didn't happen. But we don't think of our life as like coming to an end abruptly or quickly or, you know, it's like, well, at least I'll, I'll get the 70 or 80 years. Isn't that kind of contracted somewhere in, you know, the annals of human history and expectation? Like I'm, I'm going I'm to be older and I'll die really peacefully in my sleep with no complications. <laughs> And everyone will have said goodbye and everything will be in order when that day comes. You know, and it's amazing kind of the the scenarios we play out in our mind thinking we actually can control those types of events. We presume on our health. We presume on success. We presume there'll be no great tragedy or crisis to deal with. That's other families and other people and other places in the world. We don't factor God into our thinking, our planning, or our speaking very much, if at all. This all seems innocent enough because we do it so much. But what does God call it? Did you catch the words there? He says it's arrogance and it's evil. We surely don't think if we boast about things or play with scenarios and plans and our future agendas and our dreams and all that, that 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 would equate to being sinful when we don't equate the Lord into any of that. It really just shows that we put ourselves at the center of not only our day, but our next week and our next month and our next year. And it's all about how it's going to affect me and my world and my comfort, my, my expectations. And it leaves God out of the picture. And this is what James is addressing is people that would say, well, I'm, I've got this plan and that plan and this will happen and that'll happen. And he goes, what is your life? It's a mist. You can't control one more second of your life. The breath you're drawing right now is... A gift, not a given, right? It's a gift. In fact, Psalm 139.16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has already decided when you were in your mother's womb, being created miraculously by him, how many days he would give you. And nothing is going to change his predetermined will and plan for you. It was foreordained. 
And you think, oh, I had a couple times where I was really close. Like, yeah, I, I crashed a car and probably could have died when I was 16. But no, that, that, that wasn't my last day. That was just a scary day. <laughs> that was just a dumb day for me and things I did in the car I shouldn't have. On my first day of having my license in a brand new car 100 yards from my house. And the telephone pole just stopped us abruptly. Anyway, to spare any further humiliation. But, you know, you just go like, that wasn't the last day. And there, any other close call you've ever had was, oh, it was so close. No, you weren't even close. It seemed like you were. God's foreordained day has already been picked. So you can just actually relax. You have to live in fear of death or that day. You can actually just trust him and know he's a good father. He's got a good plan. It's already been decided. He says your life, did you catch it, is like a mist. So I brought, you know, this trusty water bottle to kind of demonstrate. It's a mist. Your life is but a mist. Frank Mattoon, you ready? This is Frank Mattoon. <laughs> a funny mist, if you know him personally, you'd know. <laughs> I'm uh, messed with really bad jokes. No, they're actually really funny. That's you. Gordy Duncan, you ready? A mist. We have a day of our birth. We have a day that God has already ordained will be our last day. Denise Dearborn. A mist. Our life is a mist. How are we using the life that God has given us when he says compared to all of eternity, it's really a mist. It's a very short amount of time compared to eternity. The God from forever past and forever future who doesn't have a beginning and an end created us in his very own likeness, gave us a beginning. And if we trusted Christ, we've been born again and have this incredible future. But he said, your life on earth is a mist. It's that light. It's that simple it's really that, not that weighty. It's awesome to God, but in the time that he gives you, he wants you to realize it's going to go very quickly. It's going to seem big, and then it's going to start to fade, and it's going to fade more quickly than you think. The older I get, the faster time moves. Don't know how that works. Maybe we look back on more of life lived. I don't know. It just moves quickly. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. My life is a mist. I need to treat it with incredible respect and honor before the Lord because every day is a gift from him. You're sitting here drawing the breath that you're drawing because he decided you would, period. Oh, well, no, 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 because I'm healthy and I take care of myself and I ate a good meal and I didn't do anything, as far as I know, stupid like jumping off a building. So I'm drawing the breath because I was wise in all those ways. You're only drawing a breath because God is determined. He's allowing you to, he wants you to be wise about the breaths that you get, however many of those he stacks up for however many weeks, months, and years he gives you. The correction then, instead of boasting and thinking we know the tomorrows and know what's coming and how long we actually have, it's better and it's actually commanded to say, if the Lord wills, or Lord willing, Lord willing, we will do this or that. It's an acknowledgement of who holds our future and who we believe orchestrates circumstances. It also shows we want God's will and know that his will is best, whatever trials or joys may come. We're acknowledging with that kind of heart set, if the Lord wills, or that coming out our mouth, you know, yeah, we might, we have this plan, we're thinking, you know, if the Lord wills. 
It's just acknowledging he's in control. He does the best job of being in control. He's God, I'm not, and I'm really glad about that. He does a much better job than I'll ever do on my best day. He's orchestrating things. He's got a good plan. His will is awesome. And it doesn't mean it's going to be trouble-free because Jesus already told us that right at the beginning, right? In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And we're supposed to be overcomers in his name. So it doesn't matter how the circumstances, like the waves of the ocean can be up and down and all over the place and coming into the boat. You're not going to sink. You're already set in Christ. You're secure in him. Jesus is in your boat, right? And he knows what's going on. His will is perfect. Do you trust him to orchestrate all those future circumstances and events? Jesus himself understood how important the Father's will was, and he submitted to it. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Your will. I don't understand this. He's in the garden. He's praying to the Father. He knows the cross is awaiting him, and he's like, the Lord just begging him. Like his sweat was falling like drips of, drops of blood on his face before the Father. Is there any other way? He knew the agony that was to come. God, if there is any other way, yes, I'd like that other way. But your will be done, not my will. And it's been obvious to all of us that have heard the story. It was the will of the Father to crush the Son, to put him in our place so that he could take the sin that you and I deserve to pay for and take it on himself because there could be life for all people that place their faith in him. The father did have a will and he did have a plan. He did hold the future for you and for all people. The son submitted to the will of his father. You know, we get wrapped up about God's will so often. We think, oh, if someone could just show me what God's will was or is, then it would make it so much easier with this job or that decision, you know, just tell me. And so often in scripture, if we're just in his word each day, it's just like he does. He does tell us. He tells us that his will is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others like ourselves. That's his will. In that love, you be generous, forgiving, gracious, not selfish, not living out selfish ambition. Pray for others. Meditate on his word daily. That is God's will for you. Any and every day he gives you breath to be a mist until he calls you home. He does make his will clear. We want it according to the events and things of the world and how that's going to add up to this is going to add up to that is going to add up because we want add. We want addition to all of our life. We don't think of the subtraction of lowering ourselves and decreasing so that Christ would increase. We think somehow that's a losing proposition. The world is about adding. We want that. God is about, he's given us everything in Christ already. We have an unlimited source of love and grace and generosity and mercy to give out. But we want to talk about the plans of other things and really things of the world, selfish ambition. So much of what James has talked about in this whole book. The Lord wants us to refocus and be about him. If the Lord wills those things in the future, yes. But right now, about your will, Lord, I want to give relationships all the love that you give me. It's not about the things, the possessions, the acquisitions, the pride, the titles, the arrivals at whatever thing or place you might have in your mind. It's not about those things. It's about the people that if you are around today while your mist is still here, 
that you love like Christ would love those people as if he was living through your body and using your hands and your feet and your eyes and your face and, and your tongue, what would you say to the person? What would you actually do? You know, people say like, well, if you knew it was your last day, what would you do? Hopefully we wouldn't be thinking of worldly things. We would be thinking of relationships. That's the focus he wants us to have. Lord willing, we might do this, that, or whatever, but that's tomorrow. And right now, my focus is on the right thing to do that's right in front of me. That's what verse 17 says. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Initially, I wasn't real sure how that fit into this passage. Why all of a sudden is he talking about the right thing right now? Well, it's like, okay, he said, don't be thinking about tomorrow and all your plans as if you can control anything and what you're going to do in that city with that profit and that money and how you're going to use your time. But keep your focus right here, right now on who is in front of you. Your wife is right there and you're impatient and unforgiving. Change that. Your husband, your friend, your workmate is right in front of you. The right thing to do is be generous with your time or with a resource or from your heart. That's the right thing right now while your mist is still living, right? And you can do something about it. You can't do anything about tomorrow as if you're planning or controlling, but you can do something about today. And he says, if you have the right, you know the right thing to do right now in front of you and you don't do it, you neglect it. It's, he says it's sin, we want to live in the tomorrows and we're building up this big empire and this stuff and comfort because we want our tomorrows to be more about us than the kingdom. But when our focus is Christ and his kingdom, then we recognize, wow, there's people all around us that are hurting. Literally everyone you know has a hurt that they're carrying, a burden, a need. Literally every person. Don't be fooled by the fact they have really cool sunglasses. Don't be fooled. You don't know them very well then. Every single person that you run in contact with, even if it's at Macy's where people are, pick your store. Um, give me a higher end store. Um, Nordstrom. Oh, they're all fine. They got plenty of money. That's why they, well, they could have plenty of debt. They could have a marriage at home that is blowing up. They could have a child with significant issues, drug addiction. They may themselves be under those kind of temptations. Big stuff goes on in people's lives if we slow down. Then we realize, wow, I have plenty to do right now, right here. Yes, I'm in this job, and Lord, you know the future of this job, whether I'll be here a year, get that promotion or whatever. But that's if the Lord wills, yes, Lord, I give that to you. But my workmate, wow, they need some help and some love because I don't know why they're so angry. But instead of me distancing myself because they're an angry person, I need to figure out how to love them, pray for them, show up and help them, they probably have a reason for their anger. There's probably something there. What's there? Are you going to find out? Well, do you care? And if you care, watch what the Lord will do. He'll provide for your future. You don't have to be fearful about that. He doesn't want you to boast about it. He wants you to put it in his hands from your heart saying, Lord willing, and even out your lips to be able to say, Lord willing, Someone was telling me about their job or a potential promotion within their job. And she said very clearly, she goes, yeah, I don't know how that's, you know, but Lord willing, Lord willing. And I was like, there it is. There it is. Someone's willing enough to actually say it out loud that their trust is in God, not in their abilities. No, I think I've been killing it lately, so I'm sure I'll get the job. And I'm better than so-and-so and that person and this and that. She's like, no, Lord willing. The focus is on God, if it's your will, I want your will. And I want to be about 
doing what's right in the present with the people you put me around. Because if I'm focused always future, I will miss the opportunities right here in front of me. And I'll actually be chasing selfish ambition and fooling myself that I'm not. Okay, so we know what to not boast about, right? The future. Not boast about our plans. What do we boast about? We boast about the Lord. Look at this verse in Jeremiah 9.23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I, declare, I delight, declares the Lord. The world says boast in what? You saw it, right? The world says, yeah, go ahead and boast. Boast in your wisdom, your might, your riches, or in today's vernacular, boast about the knowledge that you've acquired and the degrees that you have. Boast about the power and influence that you have. Boast about the money you have. Those three things will deliver you and save you and give you a future, so the world says. God calls us to boast and be most excited that we know him. Is that true of you? Is that the most exciting thing in your life that you know God? Or is it that you lost 20 pounds or that this thing may happen at work or you got the new car or you think things are finally clearing up with that person so now you can march forward with? Is literally the most exciting thing in your heart that you know God. The one who created the stars and put them in place and named them. The one that keeps bringing the sun up and setting it down every day. The beauty of creation because God planned it that way. The father who created you in his likeness and created you to know him and enjoy him. Is that your greatest delight? Knowing him, knowing that he's the God that gives steadfast love to people. His love does not fail and never will. Steadfast love. He's the God of righteousness. He's the God of justice. He will set all things right. And one day when he comes back to reign completely in this earth, to punish evil and those that have chosen not to love him or care anything about him. And to welcome all of us that love him. He is going to make all things right, once and finally and for sure. Is that your greatest boast and glory? Is knowing God and who he is and treating people lovingly, justly, and righteously just like him? He gave you his steadfast love, didn't he? Didn't God say that I loved you so much in Christ, right? I give you Christ, and if I didn't spare my own son, wouldn't I also give you all things? Didn't he give you all that love up front? Yes or no? Unfailing, unlimited, steadfast love, he gave it to you. The justice that a holy God couldn't look at you because of your sin was placed on the son. The son took it all and conquered Satan's sin and death one time on the cross and rose up in victory. It's that God through the son that gave you all that. He's the one who's righteous and just and loving and forgiving. Is he your greatest boast? Or do you take him and what he did for you for granted and actually love the world more than you love him? Why don't we talk or boast about wanting to serve God and his kingdom by reaching out to others in love? Why don't we talk about life-giving ministries that we're committed to, not someone else, 
Like the ministry I'm committed to. If you don't have a ministry, you should. You should have some expression of you serving with abilities and resources or gifts that you have to make an impact on others. It's not enough for the church to have them. It's what's yours, what's your particular life involvement and investment. Are you boasting about that? Not in how good you are, but what God's doing to address desperate needs around you, to address injustice, to address the victimized, the unborn, the victimized you know, women and children or girls and boys that are being pulled into sex trafficking. You know, are you, do you care at all? Do you, do you have a mission? Do you have a focus? Do you have life-giving boasting in what God's doing to reach real needs, not just superficial worldly needs? Real needs in human hearts that are hurting. That's what God calls us to. That shows that we actually delight in the things that God delights in. It actually shows us that our hearts are, are renewed. We're, they're made new by God. That we're, hearts are breaking over the same thing that breaks God's heart. That doesn't mean we have to be involved in anything, but could you tell me right now where you are involved over the things that are breaking God's heart to make a difference? You're sacrificing time and money, resources, your heart, you're pouring in. You're all in, in that area. Then I think you're realizing your great passion and boasting really is in God. And if not today, just say, Lord, I have to care for the hurting, the poor, the marginalized, the unborn, the forgotten, the unloved, the person who's going through a divorce, the lonely person at work, the person who is so arrogant, they must have a reason for having to bring so much focus to themselves because they don't know you. There's got to be something I can do for them, for that group of people, for that ministry. It's time to boast about God, you guys. It's time to have that come to our lips and not just the latest whatever. It's okay to talk about the latest movie, right? Yeah, it was a test. But is that most of what you talk about in the acquisition and the next thing politically and the next thing and the next thing? Look at your life and do you, are you boasting at all? Like are, out of your own lips, are you praising God for who he is, what he's done for you, that he's made so many things right in you and you're a work in progress and there's more to come? Are you boasting? Are you hiding? Are your lips giving praise to God or just praise to yourself or to your life or your future plans and stuff? Or are you actually just living up and boasting about the world or celebrities or athletes or whatever it is? Where's your boast? Where's my boast? It needs to grow in boasting in the Lord. Would you agree? The way he is, the way he rules, the way he rescues, the way he's rescued me, the way he can rescue another person, the way we're jointly going out and helping those kinds of needs with people I was talking about, that he's making all things right. Do we declare the wonder of his creation? When you see a sunset, do you let others know that you're seeing that? With This is God on display. This is his creation. This is God's handiwork. It's him painting this again for us to be wowed by. Do you bring the attention to God? Are you boasting in him, his way, his truth, his works, his creation, his rescuing of a person, and especially your own testimony, how he rescued you? That's what should fill are boasting. Do you lift up God's name to other people? Do people know that you're a follower of Christ? Is that your greatest boast and your greatest identity? Yeah, they should say you're good at your job or you have a wonderful voice or you might do this or that, but is your greatest identity is there, they're really just, they love God or I know they're like a Christian and or they go to church a bunch. How are they with phrases? Is that your greatest identity? Then I think your boasting is in the right place. Or 
answer this question. Are you cautious about who knows you're a Christian? Are you concerned about being cool or hip as a Christian? Sometimes we just think, man, they'll reject Christ and reject Christianity, reject me if I'm not sort of kind of cool hip. Don't want to throw too many spiritual words. I can't really boast about God and this and that or what he's doing or give God the glory in this situation. Because I don't know where they're standing, where they're... They boast about everything else to you though and never even think about it. I guarantee you. Have you experienced that? Why do we feel so uncomfortable to bring up the name of Jesus or God or our church or yeah, I'm involved in the CPC or I help forever found or yeah, we go overseas to do this or we're going down to Mexico to build this house. You boast about the things of God that are awesome. Who cares what they think? Why are we so concerned? It's the fear of man, isn't it? It's the fear of rejection. They're mocking. They might not include us. They think we're a little like radical, a little off the deep end. We get so concerned that Satan closes our mouth, fearing man and their thoughts of us, and we stop boasting about the goodness of God, his forgiveness and his love. And actually, I think a lot of the time it's a cover-up for still wanting to love the world. I could be that blunt. It's a cover-up. We actually are cheating on God and love worldly things and our comfort and our future and what we think we can control and all that more than God. If that is true of any one of us today, you just say, yeah, okay, kind of, yeah, busted, yes. That's honest at least. You can see incredible growth with God in your walk when you're just honest. When you run up and the Holy Spirit shows something to you, just instead of like, no, 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 other people do that anyway. Oh, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Oh, well, geez, you should have seen me a year ago at least. Like you just go, no, it's true of me. I'm so quiet about God and so loud about everything else. Why is that? Why, God, why? I can claim it all day long. Oh, I'm a shy person. I can claim it all. I don't want to be this or that toward that. I don't want to turn them off. Like, But what are you turning them to? Do they know anything about Christ or God because of your life? Yes, the way you live it, but also what you say. They should. They should with me and they should with you. Why are we hiding? Why are we cautious? Good questions. Do we think we've got to be a certain type of hip or cool Christian living in their fear when we should be boasting about God? Then at least people will know who we are and what we stand for because you're going to back it up with love, aren't you? You're going to proceed it with love. You're going to back it up with love so that they can have nothing to say, but like they're the kindest person I've ever met. They're the most loving, sacrificial person I know. Yeah, I don't understand the whole God thing or they're Christian, I guess, or whatever, but you know what I know about them? The way they've treated me is awesome. If that's anything the way Jesus is, the way they are, and it should be, you're just opening their eyes to see Jesus more clearly. And Paul gets even more specific. He says, boast in the cross of Christ, because that's where the hope and the salvation is found. Boast about God and then boast in the cross of Christ. Galatians 6.14 says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul's saying, far be it from me, or, or more exactly, may it never be, may it never be that I would boast in anything or anyone in the world, but rather that my boast would be in Jesus' death on the cross so I could have life, that I wouldn't have to face God's judgment, that I recognize that Jesus died in my place and paid my debt, making me right before the Father. 
I have a lot to boast about in who Christ is. Look what he's done for me. Look what he's spared me from. What would my life be without Christ right now? I can't even imagine. I don't want to imagine, right? He's made me right before a holy God, a just God. He's made me right before this just God. He sacrificed himself as a spotless lamb to take away the sin of the world, and it takes my sin away, specifically. The one who's finally healing my brokenness. Wow, God, you did that for me. I wasn't just a somebody. I was someone you wanted back in your family, and you sent your son to prove it. And you know me my name, and you called me back to yourself through Christ. That's why Paul could say in Philippians 3, 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's the great tension, isn't it? to look at the things of the world or accomplishments of the past or maybe our hopes and dreams and we start to hold them more loosely and we go, is that the gain I want? Is that where I'm really headed? For me, my wife, my family, my kids, my future, my th- is, is that where I'm really headed? Or am I headed to being in touch with God's will and living it to, the, to his glory? To be able to say, wow, I could gain all that stuff, but you know what? That would take me down the wrong direction anyway, the wrong road. That's like rubbish compared to knowing Christ and gaining him. And that great divide begins where we really have to be honest about what and who we're living for. And we get to choose. And that choice comes up so often every day. Are we going to live for the world or are we going to live for the gospel, for the cross? Are we going to boast and live out the cross-shaped life? We should be bringing more attention to God's goodness and his love, right? We should be talking about his forgiveness and his provision for us and for people. We should be declaring his help and all of his promises and this hope of heaven. Our greatest delight should be the things that are God's greatest delights. And you know one quick way to discover where your delights are? Is to look at your calendar, to look at your credit card statements, and to realize where have I been spending my time and my resources. If you can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit, who will check the motivations and intentions of your heart through the truth of God's word, which is sharper than any double-edged sword, you will get down to the core of who you really are. Now, a lot of people are not prepared for that. Some of you sitting here right now do not want to go to that level. You feel like it'll be too painful, it'll be too exposing, it'll be too humbling. That is the best place to be, you guys, to be that real before God. Then there's nothing else you're hiding. There's nowhere else for God to go. Just like, yes, Lord, all of me, take all of me, all the junk. Yes, that is it. That is the truth I've been living for the world and I've been cheating on you, God. That is the truth. It is the truth that I care more about my future and I try to plan it out and control it and control others. I really don't care about the hurting needs of people right in front of me and right around me that I know so much about. That's the truth. And if that's the truth for you today, you just tell them that. Just say, Lord, forgive me for that. And how long does it take God to think and actually forgive you? If you're to be that honest. How long? Before the words are finished coming off your lips and your heart, he's forgiven you. And you'll be free. You'll be free indeed. 
Because the truth always sets you free. The lies are what keep you in bondage and keep you hiding and keep the dark places in your heart. It's the truth and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of his word, like we're doing today, that it actually shows what's going on. And then God can remove the things that you've been boasting in that take you down the wrong road and are offense to your holy God. So praise God that there is a way. He will make a way. And there's not one person in here, no matter how dark or how, how much failure or defeat or whatever's going on, that God will not make a way out for you. You could feel like you're drowning in that addiction. You're, there's no way out. That has been such a huge part of your life or such a huge distraction or whatever it is. And yes, he can make a way. That's why Jesus went to that cross. So he could give you the conquering power of the Holy Spirit in your life too. Boast in the cross of Christ. He's the one and through his cross that can give you victory and freedom. And as you experience that, that is so inside out, heart level, life changing. Inside out, heart level, life changing. Every single person that knows you, if they're around you at all, will see the difference. Because you're not carrying the weight of the sin, the, the weight of that darkness, the weight of that hurt, the weight of that identity that's not in Christ. It's those words they said about you. It's the negativity. It's the, the condemnation you had from a person or a thing or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're free. You know what that's going to do to your face? I, I, don't, I never said it like that before, but it's like, <laughs> some of you are like, what, take the wrinkles out? Probably, actually. I mean, you'll smile more. And if more muscles are moving, I guess you have less wrinkles. It takes more Muscles to frown than it does smile. Is that right? You know what it'll do to your countenance? It'll change it. It'll change your responses. You'll be boasting about how much God loves you and how he works in your life. And you'll want other people to know. You're going to trust God that as you shine the light by boasting in Christ and his cross, that others will see Jesus more clearly. And no, we can all just know this from scripture. Some will mock you. Some will persecute you and some will not want your Jesus and they will not want to see the light, right? Is that going to stop you? Let's be honest. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yes, it will. Unless you say, Lord, I'm not going to live in fear of man anymore. I'm going to appropriately and with grace boast about my good God. I'm going to boast about what the cross has done in my life. I'm going to share the life change and the rescue I've experienced. And I am going to demonstrate like crazy with the people right in front of me right now the love, the grace, the help, the power of Christ. A life completely yields to God. I can do that. I can't control tomorrow. And good thing. But I can yield myself to God to be used in a powerful, loving, sacrificial way. That will light the way for the people that are interested in Christ to Christ. Don't you want to be someone who lights the path to Christ for others? Don't you? What will that require? It'll require not boasting and loving and death-gripping things of the world, releasing those things, being forgiven, being a vessel that God can fill because if there's stuff in the way and junk in the way, you got to get rid of it, confess it, get it out. He'll forgive it. He'll cleanse you. Then he fills this vessel. He fills you as a temple of the Holy Spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit to go out in his name and be the light of the world as Jesus was the light of the world. He said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You're not walking in darkness unless you choose to live that way at times. You're following Jesus as the light. You're not walking in darkness. He's removed the things that cause you to stumble. You're understanding more of these verses today. 
You're going to boast appropriately in Christ and his cross. You're not going to worry about the future and lining things up as if you're just all that in a bag of chips. You're, you're actually just going to live humbly before God and God's going to start doing things in your life. It's like this rose. I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures. There's so many layers to a rose. They're awesome when they're a bud and they're awesome when they, the first kind of layers come out and the first buds or what do you call them, petals open up. It just gets more and more beautiful in time. When that thing fully, fully opens, you're just like, I don't think I can count them all. All the layers of love and grace and the fragrance. Wow, certain roses just awesome. That's your life. Your life is supposed to be a beautiful fragrance of Christ. And as you open up more and more to the ways and the truths of God, it's a beautiful thing to see. You are created for that. To open up your life more fully to God, to boast in his name, to boast of the goodness of God, his provision, his rescue of you, to boast about his future hope for someone if they place their faith in him. And the fragrance of that, yes, to some, they'll reject it, but you're not worried about that. Yes, you're concerned and you're praying. You actually just, Lord, whoever, whoever would believe in him can be saved. So Lord, whoever it is, but I know what you're asking me to do, to go out to boast in your name, not to boast about things of the world, things of the future, to boast in you, to make my life a living sacrifice so that people could come out of darkness. Then I think we finally understood what it means to be fully alive in Christ. Not hiding, not cautious, courageous, bold in him, and just like Jesus, bold by giving your life in loving sacrifice to others. That's what we should be able to boast about before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've given me the strength to lay my life down for other people that they would see you. Do you understand boasting a little bit better now? Okay. Now we got to pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to have uh, a baptism as well. And what Melissa was hinting at earlier was... Uh, that three people decided to be baptized that were not scheduled to be baptized today. We don't have any scheduled baptisms for this service. Someone reminded me, but we did have some scheduled for last service. God scheduled them. <laughs> I'm like, yes, exactly. But you may be sitting here today and you know Christ is your savior, but you have not yet taken the stand and the step to be baptized. You've asked him to forgive you. He did. You've asked him to be your Lord and leader and shepherd, and he is. And you know that, but you haven't taken the step. I want to ask you why. You know that's a step to boast in his name and to give him glory if today is your day to do that. We're going to be singing this song, but if you're feeling the Lord stirring you right now, yeah, I need to be proud of who Christ is and I need to boast in what he's done in my life. And I know I'm a disciple of Christ. And I need to let this whole church know. And I need to let this world know. And I'm kind of tired of hiding, tired of holding back. I want to step into God's purposes in my life. And I'm going to get baptized today. We have extra towels and shirts and all that stuff back there and talk to uh, Steve Desette, one of our pastors, and he'll make sure you're ready. But to go home wet, wouldn't that be awesome? Go home wet, boasting in the name of the Lord. Be awesome. So come talk, and we're going to have the prayer team over here as well. You can come and pray with them. But we're going to pray right now, and we're going to pour our hearts out to the Lord. So would you guys join me? Father, I want to boast in your name. You're the one who loved me. Before creation, you're the one who had me in mind. You created me to come to know you. You made a way in your son Jesus. And I now can delight in the things of God. 
Wow, what a change. Thank you, Lord. Can you tell him that? Thank you, Lord, you did that for me too. I can be about loving and justice and caring and sacrifice and not think I'm losing something. I'm actually alive to your purposes, God. Thank you. Thank you for being the king of such an incredible kingdom. And Lord, would you forgive me for boasting about the wrong things in my life? More excited and passionate about worldly things or accomplishments or comforts or whatever than you? Your cross, Jesus? Your love and grace for people? Forgive me, Lord. Put your words to it from your heart to him. God, I'm so sorry. Jesus, thank you for taking my sorrow and giving me dancing. Thank you, Lord, for raising me up to the purposes of God again. Thank you, God, I've been dying in myself. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder today that I have life in you. I say no to those things, Lord, that I boast about or take confidence in. I will only have my boast now in you and your cross. You've given me everything. I have a future and a hope because of you, Jesus, not because of any other person or thing in this world. It's you. Thank you, Lord. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today can be your day. Whoever would place their faith in Jesus can be saved. That's what your promise is, Lord. If that's you today, just say, Jesus, I know you so love the world that you sent your only son, Jesus. I believe that. That he came that I would not perish but have everlasting life. I believe that. I believe you came specifically that I could know you and have this hope of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Receive me as your child and forgive all my sin. Help me now to live for you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for inviting me into your family. So Lord, receive our worship now. I pray you would be stirring up those that need to be baptized today by your Holy Spirit. Let's worship him.